Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Very, very warm welcome to you. Good afternoon. It's uh, Thursday, Thursday afternoon. Coming up for Shabbos, we know that uh, how everybody looks forward to Shabbos. It is fresh thinking time. You are with Rabbi Shishler. Love you to join the conversation at any time. And the way you can do that is you can SMS 34519. You can WhatsApp 0621482374. And then, of course, the traditional methods or the maybe not so traditional methods that everybody uses. Namely, the, uh, S, uh, the we've done the SMS line, the phone line. That's what people don't like to use. 0746547335. You can email on air at chaifm.com. You can tweet at chaifm. You can tweet me directly at Ravashish. I have to tell you, this is more of an opener and a joke. Well, at least to me, I find it quite funny. On the way here, literally on the way here, I was um, I, I walked into my house and there was something sticking out of the mailbox. Do people still do that? Use the mailbox. And I found a slip that some really concerned, I don't know if they're a neighbor or somebody who's walking around the property. I don't know if I should be uh, around the area, I should say. I don't know if I should be, uh, if I should feel special, you know, that I was selected for this or if it's just a generic drop in the area. But uh, I love this. It's a little note with a heading that says, are you being lied to? And it starts at the opening line, stop being lied to. Hell really does exist. And then, of course, it goes on the whole thing over there about how you have to accept the, your savior and, and so on and so forth. I love that. I, I just think it's, don't you think it's fantastic marketing? I think that's exactly the kind of thing that's going to get people to change their life. <laughs> you know, you, stop being lied to. Hell really does exist. I hope that we never come across in that way, which is probably what I'd like to speak about today. I saw a quotation. I saw a quotation. It was in an article. It was an article about intermarriage. There's a lot of controversy around intermarriage at the moment, particularly in the United States, particularly in the conservative movement, where apparently it turns out that a group of rabbis uh, within the conservative movement now want to give their blessing to intermarriage, which of course is a terribly big and painful issue within the Jewish community. And in the course of this article, it's quite an quite extensive article that spoke about what the feelings are, and it's highlighted certainly for me how different our community here in South Africa is to the Jewish community in a place like the United States. It's a very different place. And then again, the United States is not homogenous. They're very different kinds of communities and very uh, a very broad spectrum of experiences. But during the course of this particular article, and not necessarily relevant to the intermarriage debate per se, there was a quotation. I actually posted it on social media earlier today. The quotation was that millennial Jews are the most Jewishly illiterate people of history. Uh, that's not verbatim. That's uh, pretty much the quote. And uh, in fact, if I, I'm sure I can find it and give you the exact quotation, then you can see the exact expression. But uh, it's definitely something along those lines. I'll get it for you, the exact thing. But uh, it got me thinking, got me thinking about millennials. It got me thinking about where the Jewish world is today. It got me thinking about what do we do to make things relevant. Here's the quotation. It said, millennials are, quote, by far the most Jewishly illiterate Jewish community that has ever existed, unquote. I'd like to know what you think about that. Maybe you're a millennial yourself and take umbrage with that kind of generalization, with that kind of statement. 
Or maybe that's exactly what you feel. Maybe that's exactly what you feel. With all the information that we have at our fingertips, still people remain absolutely, abjectly ignorant about things Jewish. So let's have that conversation. What do you think? Do you think that is the case? Do you think that might not be the case? Do you think it's exaggerated? Do you think it's accurate? What are your views on 34519 or by WhatsApp on 062-148-2374? Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. I know it's completely off the topic, but I do have to laugh at uh, the way we have local adverts with people with American accents. In any event, that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking today about, oh, wow, there's some really interesting things coming through. But we're talking today about this quotation that I came across. It was in an article. It was in context. It was specifically about the erosion of Jewish values in the Jewish world, particularly in the United States. And the quotation argued or the author of the article argued that millennial Jews are the most Jewishly illiterate Jewish community that has ever existed. And it just gets the, the, all the cogs whirring in my brain because what does that actually mean? Is that some kind of an indictment on the millennials? Is it an indictment on the leadership, on the teachers? Because perhaps the reason that millennials, assuming that it's the case, and let's debate that if it is the case, and I know people will have strong feelings on that on either side of the argument, but if it is the case, if it is true that millennials are so absolutely ignorant of anything Jewish, then who is to be held responsible for that? Is that because it's the world we live in? Is it because of the inroads of technology? Is it because we're not speaking their language? Maybe that's it. Maybe you're a millennial, although if you are, it's unlikely that you're listening to the radio right now. You're probably attached to some other gadget and watching some streaming video or engaging in some uh, multi-person gaming experience. But but if if you are, if you are, if you're a millennial and you're stuck maybe in somebody else's car and this is what you're being subjected to. So then I'd like to know if you think, if you feel that it's accurate to say that millennials are the most Jewishly illiterate community ever to exist. And perhaps you are not a millennial yourself. Perhaps you're engaged in that space. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a rabbi. I know it's a shock horror. Imagine having the opinion of a rabbi on another rabbi's radio show, but uh, we can entertain that. We can certainly consider that possibility. Or maybe you're a parent of a millennial, or perhaps you just interact because you're broad-based and you interact with all kinds of people. So just curious to get this conversation started, if people agree with the argument, if people agree with a proposal. The proposal is that millennials, Jewish millennials, are terribly illiterate, Jewishly illiterate. And, of course, I guess people will ask the question, well, what does Jewishly illiterate mean? This is not about reading. It's not about Hebrew, even though I think for many people that's a big factor, the ability for Jews today to be able to read Hebrew, to understand Hebrew. I mean, without that, you've locked 90% of the information from you. And I know a tremendous amount has been translated, but things, as the cliche goes, are lost in translation. So possibly part of the question around literacy is literal. (laughs) Are you Jewishly literate? Can you pick up a Jewish book on your own and read it in the native tongue, in the original language? Or do you rely 
kind of translation. And maybe that's a big part of this conversation. Maybe it is a big part of the conversation. And maybe you feel somewhat limited or somewhat uh, restricted because of literacy, because of, of language barrier. And, and if that's part of the fact, I'd, like, I'd be really interested to hear that too. Let's talk about real experiences. Let's talk about what people actually go through, what people feel about their Judaism. Personally, I don't believe that when they said Jewishly illiterate, they were talking about being able to read and understand Hebrew. I think it's a factor. I think it helps. Some people might argue that it'd be, it would help equally to understand and speak Yiddish, although, of course, far more Jewish original classic texts are available in Hebrew. What about Aramaic? You don't have access to the Talmud, really, if you, if you don't understand Aramaic. So that could be part of the literacy. But I, I believe that the argument over here was Jewishly illiterate means just simply not getting or understanding or appreciating or knowing the things that you have to know as a Jewish person, like what Jews believe about. In today's world, there's so much that's available and any person can post anything in any forum and it's out there and people can read it and they can take it as fact. Uh, at one point, I was uh, it, I used to be on a, an email list. I don't know if they stopped the email list or if they just blocked me from the email list. But I used to be on an email list where there were people, one person in particular, who wrote articles for a prominent website at the time. Ironically, the website also no longer exists. But uh, at the time, it was a prominent website, and it was an interactive forum where people could raise questions about different anything, really, anything to do with anything. And then there were people who submitted articles on different topics. So this was the person who was responsible for articles on Judaism, and they were very important topics. The only thing is that from time to time, those that information was not necessarily accurate. So perhaps part of this illiteracy, if it does exist in today's world, might center on the fact that information which is available and accessible is not necessarily reliable. It's a big problem that we have generally with the Internet. Not all information, just because it's put into a public space, is necessarily reliable. You could far better have vetted information 25 years ago, certainly 100 years ago, than you could today. So that could be part of the problem, right? That people just simply don't know what it is that Jews are supposed to think, that we're supposed to believe. What is our value system? Very often, very often I hear people say, I didn't know that we're allowed to believe that as a Jewish person. Or I didn't know that Judaism speaks about that topic. I thought it was something which was completely anathema to Judaism. So that could be part of this illiteracy that we're speaking about, is people just simply unaware or it could be more sinister. It could be that people choose not to be aware. It could be that people have chosen to block out some kind of uh, history, culture, heritage, tradition, teachings of Judaism because maybe they feel that it's going to be too onerous for them then they're going to have to do things. Or maybe it's because it clashes with their beautiful, impeccable view of the world and it's such a fantastic place and everybody gets along. And we don't want to highlight difference because this is how we do things and that's how another religion does things. Or possibly another option is that there is such a degree, and I, I don't think we have that to the same extent here in this country, but in a place like the United States, maybe there's such a degree of melting pot and there's such a degree of assimilation that perhaps there are many Jews out there who don't even know that they're Jewish. So the Jewish illiteracy is not Jewish person who knows nothing about Judaism. It might well be that this is somebody who is Jewish but doesn't actually know that they're Jewish. And that's a big factor. And the question for me that lies behind all of this, and this is where we need to brainstorm and we need to 
converse and we need to share ideas is, so what do we do about it, assuming that the argument is true? And we'll debate that. But assuming the argument is true, that this is the most illiterate, Jewishly illiterate community that ever existed. That's the quotation for that particular article. So now what? Do we bemoan it, which I think we often like to do as a Jewish community? We talk about everything that's wrong and how bad it is and and how badly wrong it is. And very infrequently do you hear people saying, well, what are we going to do? How will we approach it? Who should be tackling this? Who should take it on the chin? Is it something that you leave to the formal leadership? And if they're not going to do anything about it, well, that's not my problem because they're paid to do this. Or does it become the responsibility of all of us? And, and how do you bridge that gap? Let's assume that there's some major gap that exists between traditional Judaism and, and modern Jews. So what, what, what do you do? How, do? how do you cross that divide? Assuming, of course, that the divide exists. How do you, how do you cross it? And I think it's relevant specifically at this time of the year, as I, we were talking about last week that this is a time that you know, we're supposed to focus on bringing people together so now what what do we do love to hear your thoughts on that three four five one nine if you'd like to sms otherwise whatsapp's on oh six two one four eight two three seven four or you could join the conversation that's happening on twitter i'll share with you some of those tweets in just a moment join rabbi ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every thursday from 2 to 3 p.m 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Okay, so here we are talking today. Uh, we like to talk about things which are somewhat contemporary and talk about things that affect all of us. I think this is something that certainly affects us. The question about, so to speak, millennials, it's the question to, 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 that, 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 that was put out. Well, it's my question, at least based on an article that was put out with the argument that millennials are the most Jewishly illiterate community that has ever existed. I always am very wary of people who use such dramatic language. But my question is yes or no. And if yes, if they are so disaffected, if they're so disconnected. So what are we supposed to do about it? I believe that there's a custom. It's almost like it's a Jewish custom never to sign your name on an SMS or on a WhatsApp. That's a lot of what happens over here. So here is an unsigned WhatsApp that says, all education begins at home, including Jewish education. As parents, we have to educate our children in Torah. If parents don't inculcate a love of Judaism in our kids, there are so many good and reliable sources of Judaism, for example, Chabad, Eish, etc. So I agree that education does begin at home. I absolutely agree with that. And perhaps that's more in response to what are we supposed to be doing about it. But I first want to kind of explore this idea a little bit further. Is it true? Is it true to say that this is that millennials are the most Jewishly illiterate community to have ever existed? He has a comment uh, from Shoshana who says, I disagree. The Jews in the Soviet Union knew even less. Many did not know what a Jew was or that they were Jewish. So I, I sort of expected that that would come up, and it's a logical thing to discuss because we have no clue of what life was like in the former Soviet Union. We have no clue what it was to try and be Jewish in that environment where there was this governmental machine trying to stamp out Judaism, and it succeeded to a great extent, right? It succeeded to a great extent because at the end of the day, we know that there are people till today 
till today, and that's what's really important about it, who are not aware of their Jewish heritage. They came from the, from the former Soviet Union, whichever, wherever it was that they lived in the Soviet bloc, and they just simply, the, the Judaism was snuffed out. So perhaps they were the most Jewishly illiterate community to ever have existed. And you could probably take it further back and ask a similar question about the time of the Spanish Inquisition, where Judaism really went underground. Where till today we know that there are families who have certain practices that may or may not indicate that they come from a Jewish lineage, but they don't know. They don't know. And even the things that they do, they don't necessarily know why they do it. So there's a tremendous illiteracy there as well. Or you might argue about groups who are from what we assume possibly to have been the 10 lost tribes, whether that had been the the Ethiopian community, which of course is now very integrated in Israel, or whether it had been uh, in certain communities in India, in China, whatever the case is. And they might also have been very Jewishly illiterate. So I think we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful when we make a statement that is so radical as to say the most Jewishly illiterate community to ever have existed does not make it any less concerning. So let's say it's the second most or third most Jewishly illiterate community to ever have existed. I don't really think that that's the issue. I think the issue is, do we feel that today that millennials are Jewishly illiterate? Let's pose the question that way. So it's a radical comment that was used in this particular article because, of course, it's a superlative. But let's just talk in real terms, in ordinary terms. Do we think that today's Jewish millennials are, by and large, Jewishly illiterate. Is that what you think? And if you do think, well, what should we be doing about it? How do you address it? Because there's obviously a reason, and I suppose you've always got to get to what the reason is in order to be able to try and address it. As the expression goes, knowing the illness is halfway to the cure. That's a classic Jewish saying, right? Knowing the illness is halfway to the cure. So if you don't understand what the problem is, it's really difficult to imagine that you can remedy the problem. So what do you think? Do you think that that is or isn't the case? Um, Here's, uh, I don't know where this has gone. There it is. I had a tweet and then it disappeared for a second. Here it is. Uh, Josh says on Twitter, I think millennials won't just accept the traditions of our ancestors. We're either looking for the reasons or we're turning away. What's nice about that is that's, that's, that's first person, right? This is somebody who himself is a millennial and says um, he doesn't think millennials will just accept the tradition. They'll either find reasons or they'll turn away. I'm curious if you think that that's something which is a modern phenomenon. Do you do we have the the impression that there were certain times or maybe the majority of history where everybody just accepted whatever it is that they were told, that's what they did, that's what they followed, and now there's this new outbreak of thinkers, of people who want to challenge what they've been told. They want to understand reasons. And if they don't get the reasons, they're going to push off and go elsewhere. Is that something new? Is that something new? I don't think so. Personally, I don't think so. I think it's been part and parcel of Judaism for as long as Judaism has been around. People have been prying and probing and exploring and trying to understand. In fact, it's very much what we do. We try to understand. It's very much part of being Jewish is to try and get a sense and understanding, a depth to what it is that we're doing. So not sure that that is Absolutely accurate. Another one on Twitter on the opposite end of the argument. So this is uh, Levy on Twitter saying, I don't think so. The question is, are millennials this, what do we call it? The most Jewishly illiterate community to ever have existed. Levy says, absolutely not. I think their parents are. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, that's interesting. So who who is now going to hold the prize for being most Jewishly literate? But I do think that he raises an interesting and important point because perhaps perhaps people are less observant, and we can debate that too in today's world. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are less literate. There's a lot of information out there, and people have access to information in an unprecedented fashion. I always think of the prophecy of Isaiah, where he says that in the time of Moshiach, the knowledge of God will fill the earth as the waters cover the seabed. And I, every time I read that or think about that quote, I immediately just think of the internet. The fact that, yes, it's all kinds of knowledge that literally fills our world. But with the right focus and with the right opportunity and with the right people, you can use that as a, as a, a medium to be able to flood godliness into the world. I mean, you know, that's really what it is. So, so there's a tremendous amount of knowledge and access to information that we have today that previous generations simply didn't have. They simply didn't have. You know, I was, I was reading a passage in the Talmud and it talks about prayer. And it talks about the high holiday prayers and how a person had to train themselves beforehand. They couldn't, not like today, where you just arrive and you open up the book and they announce in shul what page you're on and you read it. There was a time in history where you had to prepare beforehand because there weren't books. And you had perhaps some handwritten scrolls or you had to know the information by heart. Even just the fact that we have books, let alone the fact that we have internet, let alone the fact that we have searchable information. You don't have to wade through. And, of course, there's a whole argument to the other side that there's a certain value of learning that we've lost. But you don't have to wade through tomes in order to get what you're looking for. You just simply search. So that access to information must mean that people are not illiterate. Surely, surely it means people are not illiterate. Unless, of course, you choose not to read. You choose not to watch videos. You choose not to interact with them. Of course, you'll be illiterate. And maybe that's the problem, that it's available and people don't avail themselves of that opportunity. But Levy's point is an interesting point. He likes to believe that millennials are more literate about Judaism than their parents would have been or possibly still are. And that mixes it up nicely for us. Uh, do you go with that? Do you agree with that? Do you think perhaps that millennials are more Jewishly literate than their predecessors? Of course, we're talking about generations who are living. We're, talk we're not talking about some kind of theoretical information from hundreds of years ago. We're talking about people who live concurrently. We're talking about people who, uh, you know, they can have these conversations. So, mm, yeah, let's see. What do you think? What do you think about today's young people? Do you think that they are Jewishly literate enough? Do you think they're Jewishly illiterate? Do you think they're the worst of the worst in terms of Jewish literacy? And what should we be doing about this? That is a big part of the question. So your views in three, four, Five one nine or WhatsApp oh six two one four eight two three seven four, and uh, there's a follow up WhatsApp to the previous WhatsApp, which I'll share with you in a moment. But just before that, got to tell you something from Pick and Pay. Pick and Pay has specials running at the moment, and uh, they're running for the next few days till Sunday in fact they've got fries bry sausages down from 31 rand 99 all the way to 25.99 their fries meat free hot dogs were 36 rand 99 now they're 28 rand 99 fries chunky beef style strips 380 grams worth they've gone down from 42 rand 99 to 37.99 their traditional sausages are down from 41 rand 99 to 29 rand 99 as are the fries chicken style strips also down from 41 
99 to 37.99 and their meat free schnitzel was 37 rand 99 and it's now only 26 rand 99 and I'm pretty convinced that the reason that they are doing this must be has to be is because next week is what we call the nine days that's the period where it's customary not to eat meat so I guess that's the reason that they've got all these specials on their meat free products <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be the reason 29 minutes to the hour. You are with Rabbi Shishler. This is Fresh Thinking, talking today about millennials who have been accused in an article that I read of being the most Jewishly illiterate community that ever existed. And I'm pretty sure that many millennials would take terrible uh, affront to that. They would be like really, really upset to hear that. Um, here's Sean. Sean says on Twitter that millennials want a Judaism of occasional warm fuzzy feelings cute Facebook posts do what you feel like and just be a quote unquote nice person well that's scathing isn't it that's pretty scathing that's uh, wiping everybody also with one brush how do you like that? So looking for fuzzy, nice online kind of content and let me do whatever I want. I do think that that's part of the issue is there's this tremendous culture of people believing that they should be able to do as they please. And who are you to tell me what to do and how dare you dictate? And, of course, Judaism dictates all kinds of things, right? What you can eat, when you can eat, when you can work, when you can't work, uh, what kind of clothing you can wear, who you can fraternize with. I mean, really, people don't like that. I get it. Makes a very, very good point. Scaling, but possibly possibly on the mark. Uh, here's another one. WhatsApp over here that says, people have always questioned, but I think there was more respect. Oh, this was uh, just in response to Josh. Josh earlier said that what's unique about millennials is that they are questioning, and if they don't find the reasons, they will go elsewhere. So here's uh, Daniela saying, people have always questioned, but I think that there was more respect in the past for learned rabbis and thinkers. Now any opinion goes, and it's a very me-centered generation. If you don't have belief in God and Torah, you have no blueprint for life and for knowledge. That's interesting. So here's an argument that says there was more respect in the past. In other words, questioning has always been part of our culture it's been part of our tradition it's been part of our religion we question we possibly even question everything but maybe it was done with more respect number one number two daniel is saying that now any opinion goes and number three it's a me-centered generation and i tend to agree with that because i don't know about the respect necessarily because perhaps there were times in history where there was no respect for leadership and for teachers and, and, and you look for example all the way back in the desert and there was Moses and the rebellion of Korach but then again was that disrespect across the borders we see today? Perhaps not. Perhaps it's a good point. Perhaps Daniela is in line with the Talmud predicting that before Mashiach comes, there'll be terrible disrespect in the world, an overwhelming sense of chutzpah. So maybe that's it. But the, uh, the anything goes, any opinion goes. That's very, very much part of it. There was a time. I mean, I remember this. And it's, we're not talking so long ago. And there are many, many people who still think this way. I'm not observant. But I accept and understand that that is actually the way that we're supposed to behave as Jewish people. It's just me. I'm not observant. That doesn't mean that it's fundamentally not what Jews should be doing. Whereas in today's world, it's like, well, you know, I also have an opinion. And my therapist has an opinion. My guru has an opinion. And my friend's uncle's mother's friend also has an opinion. So perhaps there is something to be said for that as well. So, it, it, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, uh, I guess, all the different perspectives, as you always would get. Now, here's another. So somebody mentioned earlier uh, 
that the generation who lived in the Soviet Union were more Jewishly illiterate than our millennials. Somebody's responded to that and says, um, I've wondered about this question for some time now. What about the time Ezra brought the Jews back? This is after the Babylonian exile. And they found written in the Torah about this and that mitzvah. And this is a really, really good point because we're talking about a biblical period. And in that biblical period after the Babylonian exile, which, by the way, was only 70 years. So it's not as if it was this lengthy period of time that they had been disconnected from their Judaism. And they had completely forgotten about how to do certain Jewish things. So maybe we just know what we know. We know what we see. We know the the community that we live in. We know the people we interact with. But maybe that's not a true reflection on what's been happening throughout the course of history. Now, here's another WhatsApp that says, what about the Kirov movement, which is growing? You know, it's very easy for a person to say that we're totally illiterate. And there's absolutely a movement of people who are becoming more literate, more schooled, more observant. I think it's fair to say, and this might be one of the unique things of our time, I think it's fair to say that we live in an unusual space where people who are not necessarily religious, they're not necessarily observant, and nevertheless what they do is they go and they study and they engage with Torah. I don't know that that used to happen. In, in in generations gone by, either you were observant or and you studied, or you were not observant, in which case you did not study. So that's an interesting one. That's definitely an interesting one. Here's another comment from David. David says, I don't agree. Today, Jewish education is easy to get anywhere in the world. And if you want to do time in yeshiva, it's easy today to do. If anything, I think this would be one of the most Jewishly literate generations in the past 100 years. Interesting, hey? Interesting how you get such diverse opinions. Um, And the reason probably is because there's a bit of both. It's probably fair to say that I heard somebody once describe our generation as people who know less and less about more and more. Um, In other words, there's so much access to information, but access to information does not necessarily translate into knowledge, and it does not necessarily translate into literacy. It translates into knowing how to search. So that could be part of the problem. It could be that we have very divergent groups. Perhaps we have groups in today's world who are so much more literate, so much more aware, and equally groups who are so much less aware. Here is Chaya on Twitter saying, I disagree. More and more of my friends are turning towards orthodoxy and are studying and becoming more modest. So it's not surprising. It's really not surprising. I think it might very much have to do with which circles you move in. So if you tend to move in a somewhat more traditional world and certainly a more observant world, then your reality will probably be, hey, look, look how many people have enrolled in classes. Look how many more people are coming to shul. Look, those people that did not used to be observant and now they are. And that could become your measuring stick, whereas somebody else is going to look and say, "Mm, that's not mine. I, I, I see people falling off. It's interesting because one of the, pr- the the predictions that we're told about the Messianic age is that gray areas will become less gray. Funny because sometimes you think in our world things are becoming more and more gray. But the expression that's used in some of the mystical sources is that before Mashiach comes, what we're going to find is that things become a little bit more polarized. And there isn't so much of this straddling the fence and I'm a traditional Jew and I don't really practice but I still believe I'm not saying it does it doesn't exist any longer. 
But it certainly seems to be a shrinking portion of the community as the community becomes somewhat more polarized. So you get people who are becoming more involved in their Judaism, which obviously we consider to be very positive, and people who are totally, totally disconnected. Recently, I was in Los Angeles, not so long ago, it was three weeks ago, I was in Los Angeles, and there was a person who joined the Shabbos dinner where I happened to be, and this was somebody who came from Europe, had been living in LA for, I think she said about 12 years, and in that period of time had had no interaction whatsoever with any kind of formal Judaism. And the fact that she landed up at that Shabbos meal was a big surprise, and it was because of a particular set of circumstances. But that that could very well be indicative. And I believe that that exists right here in Joburg as well. You don't have to go so as far afield. It's probably much more prevalent over there. But I think the people within our community, when I say our community, within the broader Jewish community, who are just uh, – there's no interaction. There's no – there's no interest. There's no interaction. It doesn't talk to them. They didn't necessarily grow up with whatever, whatever the particular reasons are. And I certainly am not interested in trying to blame anybody for this, but much more interested in saying, so So, what do you do? How do you bridge the gap? Because I think one of the reasons that a millennial might feel disconnected is they might feel that the people leading the pack don't speak their language and don't relate to them. And then what? How do you deal with that? Let's talk about that. How do you deal with it? How do you switch it around? Three four five one nine. If you'd like to SMS, otherwise WhatsApp oh six two one forty eight twenty three seventy four. Lots of tweets coming through. I'm not going to get to read them all because some of them are quite repetitive. But uh, join the conversation on Twitter at well at as well at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from two to three p.m. One hundred one point nine High FM, one hundred and one point nine megahertz of power. So, yeah, you can expect that there are going to be all kinds of interesting things on this one. Before we go there, you need to know that Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood has amazing specials that are on until Sunday. They've got Kedem grape juice down from 79 Rand 99 to only 50 Rand a bottle. Their Rashi Light Concord red wine was 92 Rand and is now only 60 Rand. Their Schneider's Nuska 50% chocolate is reduced from 38 Rand 50 to 25 rand. The Shevington kosher sorted cheeses are reduced from 65 rand to 44 rand 99. And they have assorted Benny's pizzas down from 33 rand 99 to 26 rand 99. There are a whole lot of fries products that are also on special, including their traditional sausages, which have been reduced from 41 rand 99 to 29.99. Visit Pick and Pay Hyper Nord for much more in-store specials. If you've just tuned in, you're with... Rabbi Shishle, it is Fresh Thinking, talking today about millennials who have been accused in a particular article that I saw of being the most Jewishly illiterate community to ever have existed. And uh, it seems that a lot of people don't agree with that. It seems a lot of people feel that they're actually very connected, but maybe we just don't speak their language. And if we don't speak their language, what should we be doing about it? If you had the task of making Judaism relevant to a Jewish millennial, what would you do? Three points, three bullet points. What would you do to try and make Judaism more relevant to a millennial? Stephen here on WhatsApp says, I think the technology is a big factor as there are more distractions than there were before. And therefore, people could have devoted more time to their Judaism. That's true. Technology is absolutely a distraction. It's certainly, there's no question about it. I mean, I just think you walk into shul. Shul used to be a sacred space. Yes, people used to talk in shul, and of course it drove people nuts. And still on Shabbos today, they do. But during the week, you see people on their phones in shul, you know, talking to God one minute, the next talking minute you're on your phone, take a call, walk outside, come back, send a text, like in the middle of the Amidah, crazy things like that. So yeah, Stephen makes a good point. Technology is certainly a distracting factor. 
question is, so now, so now, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? We can talk about it. We can moan about it. We can blame people. But what are we going to do about it? Sean on Twitter saying, the benefit of growing up in a modern connected world is that there are no excuses for ignorance. There are no excuses for ignorance. So if you are a millennial, maybe you carry greater responsibility to really know what's going on because there's no excuse. Information at your fingertips. No reason in the world why you should not know. And But then again, we're making an assumption that they're Jewishly illiterate. Maybe they're not. What would you say? Come, let's work it out. What would be the ways to reach a millennial? Sean again on Twitter says an example. I uh, haven't read this yet, so let's see if it actually makes sense. There we go. He says an example. Tefillin and minion are basic daily obligations and require long-term commitment, which is often mundane and offers no instant tangible reward. I think what he's trying to say is uh, millennials, because remember he gave that scathing comment before about the fact that millennials like things which are nice, warm, fluffy, and don't tell me what to do kind of thing. So putting on to fill in every single day or going to shul every single day that's long-term commitment maybe that's not so popular with millennials having said that and it's it's a really interesting point having said that who says that the only access point for a jewish person to their judaism is all or nothing and of course we advocate of course we want people to go to shul obviously and of course we want people to pray three times a day and we want people to study Torah on a, on a regular basis and we want people to put on tefillin every day absolutely without question but the access point sometimes needs to be and maybe this is the language of the millennial the access point has to be well do now what you can do now let's not look let's not look at the whole overall perspective on who you are where you're holding what do you embrace what do you accept where you're going to be in five years from now maybe we just need to look in the moment I feel sometimes that millennials live very much in the moment. So if it crosses their path and it seems to have some kind of interest, they'll embrace it. I think of the um, the, the tefillin concept. And of course, being a Chabadnik, you've got to put out the disclaimer. Being a Chabadnik, you know how we are. We're tefillin toting. That's what we do. We go wherever we can and encourage people to put on tefillin. In fact, just earlier today, I saw somebody said that he put on tefillin yesterday with Adam Sandler. So that that's great. <laughs> that's that's certainly great. I don't think that uh, it, it's nice because it gets you some kind of publicity. But the caliber of the person you put on to fill in with is is actually irrelevant. It's about getting another Jew to do a mitzvah. But what's nice about that is you're giving them a point of contact that is in the now, and it's not fluff. It's not nonsense. It's not superficial. This is the real deal. That's what we're supposed to. Do. We're supposed to put on tefillin. I'm using that as an example because it's quite ubiquitous, and also because it illustrates the point. So in that moment, you capture them in that moment, and they put on tefillin. In that moment, they're connected. In that moment, Judaism is suddenly relevant in their lives. It's not going to be so in the next moment. But then again, they could be sitting in shul. And in the next moment, they're completely absorbed by whatever happens to be on their phone. Um, or they're busy listening to the deepest, most profound lecture, but in the middle of that, suddenly the phone comes out because it's almost an impulsive reaction. It's almost that spontaneous that you can't stop it. And they didn't mean to lose their attention, but they do lose their attention. So giving bite-sized experiences of Judaism might be one of the most powerful ways to connect with millennials, possibly. I think that it's got tremendous value, and I think it's something that we should be investing in and spending more time on because you you just you 
You don't feel as threatening. You don't feel as overloading. Somebody made that point earlier about, you know, just the tedium that is associated. Well, that's the perceived tedium, I suppose, that's associated with it. You know, rather don't tell me what to do. That was Sean who said it before. Right? Don't tell me what to do. I'd like to do my own thing and, and just give me the fluff kind of stuff. And we need to understand this. We need to understand that according to Jewish mysticism, there is no fluff in doing a mitzvah. Even if you will not touch that mitzvah again for who knows how long, it's not fluff. In that moment, there is absolute connection between you and God. And the mystics teach us that that absolute connection is eternal. It doesn't get erased. It doesn't get shafted. It's there. It's there. It's it stays with you. It accompanies your soul at whichever point it is that you confront your soul, whether it's in the next world, whether it's in the messianic age. There is this long-term, not long-term, this eternal bond that you have made between yourself and God. So we should never think that the once-off mitzvah has no value. On the contrary, as I say to, to the millennial, it might be of the greatest value. It might be that that's exactly how they connect. and That's exactly how they have a meaningful experience of God. So what else? What else can we come up with to connect millennials to Judaism? Here's a WhatsApp that says three points. Number one, learn their language, i.e. use the technology, but obviously not on Shabbos. Number two, have more fun communal activities with young dynamic speakers. I'm, I'm interested in that one because I believe in it and I think that Young and dynamic, and I think the the word with uh, dynamic is not necessarily always descriptive enough. We need it to be interactive. I think millennials want to feel heard, to be able to communicate, to be able to have the conversation, and not just be told. And number three, pick one mitzvah and do it once. Right, exactly the point that I've just raised. Right, pick one mitzvah and do it once. I do. I think this is great advice. So speak the language of people. It's something that we have to try to do at all times. And that's why I go back to that little note that I found in my post box as I was coming here that starts off, are you being lied to? Stop being lied to. Hell really does exist. And I'm thinking, really? In the 21st century, who is that going to talk to? It's not going to talk to anybody. I don't believe it's going to talk to anybody unless they've got some kind of a disorder. So we've got to be careful not to do similar things in our sharing or teaching or spreading of Judaism within our own community. What would your advice be, either as a millennial or somebody who interacts with millennials? What would you say? How to make Judaism relevant to them so that they are not Jewishly illiterate? Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Talking today about millennials, and it fascinates me because it fascinates me how there could be such a generation gap. It fascinates me how much we don't understand about people who live under the same roof as us. It fascinates me that there is, on the one hand, this incredible development and mushrooming of inter, of interaction and involvement in Judaism on the one hand and how on the other hand there's this almost the exact opposite there's this movement towards uh, disassociation like disinterest and I guess the question is how do you connect with people who don't seem to have any interest in fact not only not to, to have any interest but to feel that they are almost put off by you Oh, you're one of those outdated personalities. You still believe that stuff. Possibly. 
probably one of the most important things. It doesn't matter if you're a millennial, X generation, Y generation, uh, if you're a baby boomer. It really doesn't make a difference. There's something that's common to all of us, and that is people connect with people. In other words, if somebody cares about you, you'll care about what it is that they have to say. If somebody does not care about you, they could have the greatest, most wonderful philosophy, theology, ideology in the world. It's completely irrelevant. Who are you and why are you sticking your nose into my business? It's a problem, it's a mistake that we sometimes make trying to preach. We believe that we have the truth, so therefore we're going to share the truth. Whereas, in effect, what we really need to be doing is to be saying, who are you? Let me talk to you. Let me value you for who you are. Let me genuinely have a sense that you're an important person, that you're a valuable person, regardless of what your observance is, what your theology is. Let's get that down first. Then we can have a conversation. Then we can have a conversation about how you live your life, how I live my life, how I think you could enhance your life. It doesn't really matter what kind of generation gap you're dealing with. It doesn't really matter what the differences in view are. The bottom line is, and as I mentioned last week, that's what we're supposed to focus on at this time of the year. Care genuinely about the next person. Then you can have a conversation. And I'm absolutely convinced that uh, if we worked a little bit more on caring for people, genuinely connecting to people who are different to us, who think differently to us, who see differently to us, everything will be so much better, so much more cohesive, so much more peaceful. And then we'll be in, in the right space to fix the problems of this period of the year, the time of the destruction of the temple, and to please God receive Mashiach. That should happen really soon. I want to wish you a good Shabbos. It's Rosh Chodesh next Monday, so please God, it should be a good month. And please God, we'll pick up same time next week.